0: Welcome back to another edition of the Friday Egg Podcast. Today's episode, I am joined by ESPN's Kevin Van Valkenburg. Kevin is uh, back on the golf beat, but you know, I, I wanted to talk about the Olympics, and I figured I should talk to somebody that's got you know some experience and clout in other sports. Uh, Kevin wrote. One of one of my favorite pieces in any uh, any sports piece this year about Simone Biles uh, earlier this year and taking his daughter to Olympic trials. Highly recommend that read if you have not read it yet. We talk about Olympics and golf uh, state in the Olympics, and you know I think I think both of us uh, really enjoy golf in the Olympics. So seeing where it can go in the uh, you know we only have to wait three years for the next Olympics Uh, where it can go in the next three years and hopefully get a little bit more creative with the uh, formatting and uh, hopefully more top players play as a quick reminder. If, if you haven't been to a Friday night event, I highly recommend them. Obviously I'm a little biased, but super fun days. I think uh, anybody that's been to one will uh, testify that we, we, it's a really fun day out at, at some world-class golf courses. So we have uh, we have three left on the calendar for the rest of the year. Uh, we are sold out in Lancaster. We have a few spots at Prairie Dunes on October 4th and some spots at Bear Yacht Club on September 13th. So two magnificent golf courses with Prairie Dunes and uh, Bear Yacht Club. I would highly recommend seeing both of them. Um, really fun, different golf courses and uh, world-class courses in their own right. Kevin, welcome back. It's been a while. Andy, it's been
1: much too long. I'm uh, excited to be back in the golf podcasting world.
0: You know, I got a, I got a, one of those like x number of years ago things popped up on my phone the other day, and it was of us golfing in St. Louis uh, PGA at Bell Reef, and it brought it brought a smile to my face. That was
1: fabulous. I uh, yeah, that was a hot day. <laughs> it was extremely hot day. <laughs> God, uh, I was definitely sweating my face off when uh, we were doing that. So
0: Sounds like you got one of those ahead of you today, too. Yeah, that
1: is very uh, possible. It's, a, it's a, like the heat index here in Baltimore is like 104, and I've somehow been talked into some sort of golfing adventure. So uh, pray for me.
0: Hey, when it's January and it's like 10 degrees, you're going to be praying for the 104. That's what I always tell myself when it's really hot.
1: I'm going to be like, hey, guys, just let's pause for a second. The last time I was sweating my balls off like this, Andy wanted me to point out the various layers of the and the bunkering here. And my, my cartridge has none of that. So let's just imagine what it looked look like if it did.
0: Hey, uh, I really enjoyed your piece as a, uh, you know, not really recent girl dad, but a girl dad, a blossoming girl dad. I guess that's probably a weird word to use. But um, I enjoyed your piece about Simone Biles and going to the trials with your daughter. I'm curious, you know, we're we're going to talk about the Olympics today and golf in the Olympics, but I'm curious in a larger sense, does your daughter at age 10, 11, you know, kind of revel in the Olympics more so than other sports? Does she understand, like, the significance? Do you think there's something that uh, when you're younger, the Olympics mean more than, say, other, you know, sporting championships?
1: This is definitely the case with my girls. Uh, My oldest... In particular, she adores the Olympics and will just kind of soak up as much gymnastics as she could possibly do. Like the the Peacock uh, people, like we, we got our money's worth out of all the gymnastics stuff this year because we were watching it at all hours. Uh, various preliminaries and men's gymnastics and women's gymnastics. Um, I don't know what it is about it exactly. Uh, both of my girls like golf but they have a special kind of um affection for uh the olympics and i think you know i was, was watching lydia co get all emotional uh wearing that bronze and i was thinking like eh, i get it like my girls see this as something bigger than like you know i don't even th- they don't even think like the evian is like a, a they, they couldn't even tell you that's a major you know like most people they i bet they know of the, the women's majors they know the u.s open and the in the open championship and that's about it for the women and they love golf they're like in the one percent bracket for girls their age of who are into golf so i'd say yeah the olympics does have sort of a special appeal for them and i i if anybody doesn't know like i took my daughter to the uh gymnastics trials because i had promised her that i was going to do that for like a 10th birthday present and then the gymnastics trials got canceled like everything else because of covid and so um we ended up uh, going this year and it was a really kind of surreal interesting experience it was the first sporting event that I'd been to in like 18 months uh, since the Super Bowl when the Chiefs and Niners played so uh, I wrote a little thing about it for ESPN just about the kind of whole experience of being a parent and trying to take your kid back out into the world and them you know someone like Biles being their her hero and just kind of trying to understand what it meant to to Biles to be in this position in a sort of time of divisiveness and racial unrest and um st louis provided a very interesting backdrop for all of that uh and um yeah it was it, it was really it was one of the more emotional moving things that i ever written uh and just kind of spilled out of me i think
0: it's uh you know, it's a great piece. Everybody should read it, uh, whether you're a fan of gymnastics or not. It, all you have to do is is Google Kevin Van Valkenburg, Simone Biles. It pulls right up. That's I find the easiest way to find anything these days is just to Google the publication that you know it's in, and uh, or the author's name and the topic. Um, but you know, it's on on a little website called ESPN.com, In case you hadn't heard of it, but um, I think about the Olympics, and you know, golf's got had an interesting start to the Olympics just in terms of like, I don't think it's really been fully embraced as much as the golf organizations say they're fully embracing it. I don't think they necessarily have really thrown their weight behind it. Um, but I think back to like me being a kid, your piece about your daughter made me think about, you know, the significance of Olympics as, as kids um, and I thought, you know, we had weedy boxes, like you get, you know, the Olympic medals, you know, the weedy box was such a big deal. And, and he, I just, I remember watching all the sports, you watch figure skate, you watch, uh, you know, I'd watch figure skate with my mom and sister. I'd watch gymnastics. Like that's what they wanted to watch. I wanted to watch the hockey in the winter of the Olympics and the summer Olympics. I wanted to watch basketball, you know, like it, it's, uh, you know, it's really interesting, but there's that. It definitely when you're a kid and it's it instills almost like I think like a habit in you and throughout like I remember even in college when I would fall out of watching like, you know, I didn't watch every major when I was in college uh, of golf. But, you know, I, I always remember distinctly re- watching the Olympics when I was in college or what I was in the summer when I was at maybe the worst state of my human being, uh, you know, I still carved out time to watch Olympics because it was something that like, I think obviously the scarcity has a lot to do with it. I think and probably some of the pageantry, which, you know, somehow they pull it off. I think probably because of history, they pull it off. But like if, if, if golf had an event with the amount of pageantry that the Olympics had, we would just crush it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you were just talking about this, I was thinking about, I hadn't thought about this in years, but I remember as a 11-year-old, like, sneaking down to stay up and watch the men's volleyball uh, gold medal match in South Korea uh, in Seoul. This was 1988, and, like, Karch Karai and Steve Timmons, two dudes who I would have never otherwise, like, had any knowledge that they even existed, were, like, these heroic figures in my life. I was like, Oh my God, these guys are so awesome. I want to be like Karch Karai and probably like went outside and practiced volleyball, which wasn't even a sport, you know, in, in Montana for me growing up. And so that, that's like the weird appeal of the Olympics, right? I remember Greg Luganis hitting his head on the diving board. I, you know, I exactly <laughs> felt the same way. I can vividly remember where I was when it, remember when the Dan and Dave thing was playing out and, and, uh, Dan didn't make the the he like didn't make the um the next round of it he like you know couldn't clear the uh, the pole vault at one level or whatever and so it was like the whole Reebok's whole like super duper ad campaign like fizzled out and these two dudes who were supposed to be like the best you know heptathletes or pentathletes in the world were we're, were not going to have this showdown like all of that is vivid memories of my childhood, and I couldn't tell you like who won a single major in 1988 without looking it up in golf. So,
0: was that maybe Bob Tway at Inverness? Was that 88? something. That's great.
1: That's extremely memorable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just I, the, in 1988, you say 1988 felt that was Feldo's Masters 89 90, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, it wouldn't have been Feldo Masters, but um, you know, the interesting thing too with with what you just talked about, like the insignia like you're a eleven year old, you go down, you sneak down and watch volleyball because it like you wanted to see if they won the gold medal. And yep. ironically, the the medal count, like the gold medal count, the US has thirty nine gold medals, China's second with thirty eight. US got two gold medals from a pretty new sport in the Olympics golf. And would have been a big story if China had more gold medals than the U.S. Yes, it but will. that that margin of victory, the reason they you know, the difference between first and second that that count is golf, which is really. And you think there there could have been whether it happened or not, there could have been kids that were really obsessed with the with the medal count. And Nelly Corda's win coming down the stretch, like at the kind of the tail end of the Olympics was a big deal when it came to that medal count.
1: It's true. It made me think of like, I would, it would be so fun to have like an NCAA tournament style pool of like who you pick, who the win. I remember Sports Illustrated used to run like this big, you know, prediction of who would win medals. And so I would like study it, like how it'd be super fun if that was like a mainstream thing nowadays where you would sort of have to guess and do like research as to, all right, who's going to win the medal in skateboarding or you know, synchronized swimming. Okay. It looks like Ukraine is really strong this year. I'm going to pick them. And like, that was as important as
0: picking like a first round upset in the NCAA pools. Like that would be awesome. We need to get a Joe Lenardi type character on the, on the beat. (laughs) Bracketology. We got to come up with a catchy name.
1: Tell NBC to you know get Steve. Uh, what's that guy who does the election stuff? It was Naki guy. He's oh. the predicting. All right, looks like uh, Nelly Corda is the favorite in the the gold medal match this week. So lay your money down on that.
0: So you know zero again on on golf. Uh, what did you watch much of the golf in the Olympics? Uh, And if so, what were kind of your big takeaways?
1: Uh, I watched a little bit of it. I didn't get to watch as much as I would have otherwise because I was uh, traveling during uh, a bunch of it, but um, I did uh, peek in on it whenever I could and sort of would talk and text with my girls about, oh, you know, did you see that that Nelly Corda is leading by a bunch because my youngest is super into golf and she wants to be either Nelly Corda or Lexi Thompson for uh, Halloween this year, and this may have tipped off her... Uh she's not she's short. She's not tall like uh, Nelly, but she this may have tipped the scales to her wanting to be Nelly Corda for
0: uh oh, how exciting position. that is.
1: Yeah. So, she gets to dye her hair blonde either way, so she's pretty excited about that. So
0: It's I. Uh, you know, if she want if she wants to be Lexi, make sure she knows how to mark her ball.
1: <laughs> I think she's a better chipper than Lexi <laughs> is right now. So, you know. Uh, looking for, yeah, the, <laughs> there has definitely been some discussions as Lexi, uh, the long fade during the U.S. Open was was kind of crushing, and we had to talk about how.
0: Uh, oh my god, that had to be brutal with with your daughter as a Lexi fan.
1: Yeah, it's pretty brutal there, uh, but they 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 haven't quite they can process like sports failure, but like I was really worried about how my oldest would process the Simone Biles uh News when she didn't compete, but mostly they're like, "Oh, I just hope she's okay." Like I, you know, they don't don't have like quite the crushing like when the Lakers would lose when I was a kid and I'd go up to my bedroom and just cry for ten minutes and then be done with it. They they don't quite look at it like that just yet. So
0: it's a, or like how the, how I feel when the Bears draft a new quarterback. <laughs>
1: Exactly
0: true. Yes. <laughs> um, something I've kind of like watching a good amount of it. I feel like the Olympics, it doesn't. It's not like a regular tournament. It's definitely elevated, mm-hmm. um, especially on the women's side. I felt like coming down the stretch of the tournament, players played you noticeably differently. Whether it was you know the, it, bronze medal contention, silver, gold, you saw the type of things you see in large tournaments maybe even more so than even majors because i think the significance of second and third led to more players feeling that pressure not to take azinger's term but feeling that uncomfortability um in in the moment you know like how would you assuming golf continues to be a major part of the olympics where do you see it going and being when we start to talk about careers
1: uh i think it's going to get more um Wait as things go forward. I, I, I've I don't know if I I came around a little bit more on it this year. Like the first year of it, I was sort of more um, on the Rory uh, side of things, where uh, I didn't really think like Justin Rose and Matt Kuchar like winning medals uh, and Hendricks. Like you could have, I had to look up that Hedrick Sensen was the one second uh, in Rio Olympics. I did not. It's not something like a performance that stood out to me as like a, a, a big historical thing. But, um, you know, this time around, like I thought it was a, a lot more, you know, compelling. It, it felt it had a better field. It felt like it had um, a little bit more history to it, just in the sense of we already had one Olympics. And so now we're adding to that. The thing that kind of just stuck out to me thinking about the Olympics this year is just how few things there are in golf where history is what you're playing for not money because at some point money just becomes kind of like background noise like you could no m- amount of money is going to change Rory McIlroy's life like you could you could have a tournament for a billion dollars and he could play super hard but it would affect his life like maybe one percent at all like he'd be able to
0: own uh, yeah maybe own a plane instead of right yeah own a plane, a plane
1: yeah <laughs> and his wife could own another plane like that, there's nothing really that would change that but honestly like if he had won a gold medal it probably would make him further kind of delve into identity and like what does it mean to be an irishman or a northern irishman and and what does it mean to have i, I think you saw Some of that when he when the open championship was at Port Rush, right? Because the the weight of all those things was super heavy on his shoulders and all this idea that like Rory McElroy could unite a country, even if only briefly, that had experienced, you know, hundreds of years of secular uh divisiveness. And he just couldn't like his brain kind of short circuited during that. And so I think those kind of things are rare in golf. And like the U.S. Amateur is is one, like it, that's, it's a meaning, that's part of the reason why we love it, right? So it's not, These guys aren't just being handed a big check. They're kind of etching their name into history and they're sort of thinking like, yeah, you know, Jack did this and Tiger did this and Bryson DeChambeau did this. And so this is meaningful to me because I know that my name is kind of among those things. And I think that there is a chance that golf will have some of that kind of meaning if, if this kind of continues to be something that where all the you know, top players actually really wanted. Uh, it. The first year, I think it was just kind of like there was no one even knew if the golf course was going to be ready like three months before the Olympics. And Zika was either, you know, a fake excuse for not wanting to go or a real concern for some of the guys. And so Justin Rose, in retrospect, probably will be seen as sort of an important figure in the history of Olympic golf because he's the first and he can only be the first winner There can only be one of those. I didn't love Justin Rose kind of try to shame Rory for sort of not competing. Rory had sort of admitted in one of those Paul Kimmage interviews, you know, that R- Justin Rose had texted him and be like, oh, the boys, all the boys here want you to know you missed out. And it, it struck me very much as like a daft Englishman's understanding of what it means to be from Northern Ireland and you know, that Rory would not be thrilled to sit up there and listen to the tricolors, you know, see the tricolors and, and hear the national anthem and have been like, this, this feels so foreign to me because it doesn't even feel like my country. So I think Justin Rose kind of was a fool in that sense of looking at it from Rory's perspective, but I do understand it from Justin Rose's perspective, how probably cool it had to sort of seem. And these guys, you know, they all grew up watching these Olympic moments like we did. And, uh, and so for them to get a chance to sort of, you know, feel like they're a part of that instead of just adding more dollar signs to their, you know, thing. I, I bet you that if you you took a poll of like, oh, would you rather win a gold medal or a FedEx Cup? Of all the guys who'd never been to um, the Olympics, they'd probably say like, oh yeah, a FedEx Cup, that'd be sort of life changing. But of the people who have like a, a shit ton of money. I would bet that they'd say Olympics because it's like, what is $10 million when you have $100 million? It's really the the amount, the way, the amount that it changes your life is almost nil. And so I do think that will kind of matter. I mean, it's, if you die and you've won a gold medal, one of the first lines in your New York Times obituary is going to be like gold medal winning. You know, Justin Rose, who won the US Open and a gold medal, passed away this year in 2065 or whatever. That's what's going to read in his obit. You know, this is it'll be you're the one major that you won and the gold medal that you won. So I do think it matters.
0: Yeah. You know, I think you hit on something that I hadn't thought of is like the purity of the Olympics. There's, you know, there's no money at stake. And then, you know, everybody isn't a walking billboard. You know, we don't have NASCAR drivers out there filled with logos and you know if bryson had played it would have been in one it would have been interesting to see if he had thanked his sponsors but you know that's one of the things is the purity of it and while the golf in the olympics doesn't necessarily have history you're definitely you're chasing the history of of what you watched growing up as a kid and thinking of all the great athletes like you know michael phelps simone biles like these these transcendent, uh, you know, uh, Usain Bolt in recent time, like these trans- transcendent athletes, like you become in the same class as them if you win a gold medal. And I do think golf is, I I've thought wrangled my head around, like, how can we get significance out of second and third place in regular tournaments? Because it made the Sunday telecast where, you know, in both cases, like the women's got close quick. But Xander, you know, both set up where Xander and Nelly Corda had big leads going into Sunday. And at the start of the telecast, there was still ample things to watch because, you know, effectively 10 players were in it for something significant in a medal. And we saw Lydia Ko, obviously, very emotional about winning a medal, you know, just, you know, and, and then we saw a lot of like, you know, Adi, uh, Aditi talked about how she's never been so you know, disappointed in a fourth place finish, which was, you know, the best finish of her year. So I think that's the, it's got sticking power. Where I started with the formatting, the embrace of the overall golf world is kind of where it has a lot of room to grow.
1: Sure. I've never told the story before, but I wrote a piece about Lydia Ko a few years ago.
0: I remember that.
1: Talked to a bunch of people about it. And one of the stories that I heard, but didn't uh, get to use in the piece because it didn't sort of fit structurally is, you know, her parents, her father in particular is, is pretty strict and was sort of a driving force in her golfing life. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people who for a while felt that she would be better off if she, you know, did like Michelle, we, and essentially cut her parents off at a later age and sort of said, you know, I'm my own person now, like, I don't want you to travel with me or whatever. But during the Olympics in Rio, her father was really, really pushing her. He really wanted her to win a gold medal. Like this was extremely important to like their family, he felt, and their sort of, you know, identity as South Korean slash New Zealanders. And she felt kind of an overwhelming amount of pressure and maybe didn't play quite as well as she could. have. I mean, she finished second uh, there, but that, um, that was like a lot of people were like, whoa, like she's under a lot of pressure. And I don't think people really realized that or understood that uh, at the time, in part because it was the first Olympics. But like to the Co's, it really, really mattered. It was a huge, huge deal. And so I I was reminded of that when I saw her emotional and talking about her grandmother and stuff. And I think like, you know, growing up in part in South Korea and part in New Zealand and just thinking about sport in the sort of larger context i mean she was the kind of she i asked her about this she went to like a ton of other events when she was in rio to watch like new zealanders compete and i I think if you're someone who you know grows up in one place and has a connection to to it like south korea but then moves to another place part of what makes you maybe feel like a part of that culture and that country is like Olympic sport. Like here she is like cheering on like weightlifters and like, you know, rugby players in these more traditional, you know, Kiwi New Zealand type sports. And so that I thought was a cool thing to kind of understand why the Olympics made her feel like she was more New Zealand than, you know, some outsiders might sort of look at because she was like, you know, I'm one of these. I'm a New Zealand Olympian.
0: The Lydia Ko whole evolution and just the way she's evolved as a as a person like I thought that last round of the Olympics like I, I I've never found her so endearing like the her attitude towards Nelly Corda, the way she competed obviously played an incredible round of golf um had a little bit of you know a few missteps in the middle of the round but the way she battled and then just the graciousness of her as a as a competitor as somebody who came up just short I found just it was unbelievable, and I think over the last year, I, there's something about when these athletes go through struggles and come out of them that I think has such a it creates such a humility and a so much more balance in their life. They be they become, I feel like more relatable. And I, I Lydia Ko has gone from you know a few years ago, I kind of didn't know how I felt about her to what probably one of my favorite LPGA players.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the same person who fired, you know, nine caddies or whatever in the first few years of her career and who everyone kind of wondered, like, is she, you know, behaving a little spoiled? Is she not looking inward or whatever too? You know, I've seen her, she's sort of um, famous on the lbj tour for like packing great snacks during rounds and like having like fresh fruit. And so I watched her, <laughs> I'm serious. I watched her walk during a round and like, you know, this is like a major round. I think it was the A and she whips out like a big tub of like freshly cut pineapple and watermelon, and like starts handing pieces of it, like offering it up to the people she's playing with. Like, hey, you know, and these are like her competitors. I mean, can you imagine Bryson like sharing protein bars or you know anything <laughs> like that during rounds? Like, a, she's the kind of person who will offer you half her sandwich uh, in the middle of a you know 110 degree day because she's like, hey. I'm not going to eat all this, and I'd love it if you got a chance to experience it.
0: Uh, that's incredible. I I might have to have her on just to talk about what her favorite fruit is. you to yeah, absolutely really discuss like uh, the intricacies of what's the best fruit on the golf course. See, uh, the thing I worry about with pineapple is sticky fingers. You know,
1: and you know what? They use toothpicks. She has toothpicks
0: oh! for the very
1: reason. Yeah, I look at all the insight to fr- the fruit I'm offering onto this podcast.
0: Unbelievable. Now for a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Zero Restriction. Uh, this is a uh, apparel company. You probably know Zero Restriction. Great rain gear um, maker. That's what they're, they are kind of cut their teeth getting into the industry on. Uh, they are part of Summit Golf Brand. So same brand that creates uh, Be Dratty. Zero Restriction is the official outerwear of the fried egg as well as The next international team competition that we're going to see on TV, the Solheim Cup. I believe that's a true statement, the next international. I I didn't do my research, but I believe that is the next international team competition. So the Solheim Cup will be at Inverness. We will have ample coverage of Inverness, but Zero Restriction is the official provider of, uh, of the Solheim Cup's outerwear. You know, fall is on the way as much as I regret to say this. It's time to load up on some outer gear. And one of the great things about Zero Restriction is that it is awesome for men and women. Uh, they have, uh, you know, Mrs. Friday loves their pullovers, their yoga pants, and then I, I'm a big fan of their pullovers, rain gear, uh, vests, etc. So they have official licensed uh, Solheim Cup gear in their shop, zerorestriction.com. And if you use the promo code TFE25, you will get 25% off. So if you've been procrastinating about rain gear or anything, 25% off is a big deal on, on these big purchases. I mean, you're talking about if you buy a really nice rain rain suit or you know some nice outerwear, you're talking about 50 100 bucks 100 off. So use 25, uh, TFE25 at ZeroRestriction.com uh, and you'll get 25% off. Now back to Kevin Van Valkenburg. So, you know, moving forward, how would you, we did a golf star podcast a few years ago where we, we got to just, you know, change, change golf. You know, I don't. I should listen back and see, see if anything's t- changed at all or moved mm-hmm. in a direction, but, um, how would you make the Olympics better golf in particular, not the overall Olympics?
1: Well, I would adopt more of a NCAA, uh, tournament model where you have a, Stroke play sort of section uh, that determines a sort of a champion f- of her team,
0: kind of like an all-around title for the women's gymnastics.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, but where then I would sort of follow the the assembly model where then it breaks into match play because I think like that would be really cool. Like that would sort of you would truly really feel like you had vanquished everyone if you were the match play gold medal winner, right? Like that's kind of how most other of the Olympic sports work in some sense. Like um, if you couldn't do that, which I don't know that like golf will ever go away from just a stroke play champion uh, to sort of determine their thing. I would just love to see, um, we'll do three rounds of stroke play stuff and we'll determine a gold medal winner from that, or we'll, we'll sort of fit it in five or whatever we'll do this four, But I really would love to see, some sort of mixed gender alternate shot for like a, a thing. I mean just think of how much fun that would be. And so especially like in an alternate shot format where, you know, you could have two uh people who from like a small country who just happen to sort of play really great together and catch fire and it's like a a Cinderella kind of thing, like where they're matched up against you know, Justin Thomas and Nellie Corda and the or, or Xander and Daniel Kang or whatever like in the final, like that would be so much fun. And I think watching the men and women have to kind of work together and read putts for each other and high five and get exuberant. I mean, imagine what a visual like image it would be if like Nellie Corda and Patrick Reed played an alternate shot thing and like Nellie made like a 20 foot bomb to win and Patrick Reed like ran over and picked her up in the air, like that would be, that would make Patrick Reed so much more likable and so much more endearing. And if they ended up like hating each other, that would make for fun kind of interesting visuals too. Like I, I think alternate shot with, with a one man, one woman would be so Much fun for the olympics and there would be nothing else like it and you only have to do it let's just only do it for one round right like let's just let's just sort of say like who can post the best score uh with these two players each each going out and I, i think that would be a really interesting way to kind of get a team element it would sort of show like okay you don't have to necessarily have a super deep team to compete in this maybe there's You know, one male Indian golfer and one female, or one New Zealand male golfer who can compete with Lydia Ko, and like, you know, the one golfer could be so good from the female side that it could make their team super competitive if they didn't have like a super strong male candidate or vice versa. I mean, you telling me like there aren't two golfers in all of Russia who couldn't, you know, have one day where they compete and play well? Like, it's such a huge country, or like South Africa, like all of these places where maybe we don't think of them as like traditional hotbeds for men's and women's golf like that would be a great chance to showcase like well the best player in the best female player from some country might just be like a plus one which you know might not be good enough to play like professional golf at a highest level but an alternate shot they could be pretty darn like good how is that any different than some of the the other olympic sports where being a niche
0: like a swimmer. I remember a swimmer from uh I can't remember where a few years ago qualified and it was you know they were it was a huge story mm-hmm. but you know the the guy came in last in the qualifying rounds but mm-hmm. he was there.
1: Yeah. I think it would be awesome and I think it would just everybody would be I think kind of riveted. You'd you'd get some really bad shots and you'd get some really cool recoveries too. Uh I just alternate shots, one of the best formats and we only ever see it at the Ryder cup. And so I think it just would be a super fun way to get people really engaged in a, in a larger sense of like, all right, I'm a fan of women's golf and men's golf. And so now I get to see them come together for this brief moment.
0: I I completely agree about the mixed event. So I, you know, with the current construct with 60 person fields, it's very small. I don't, you know, if you just did one small tweak, I don't see why you can't have a women and men's tournament happening concurrently. So I, that's a one, one a like, why aren't, why isn't this happening at the same time? How Mm -hmm. cool would it be to have, you know, two events going on at once, right? Mm -hmm. B, there needs to be some match play format of this or team competition, whether, you know, or, and the mix thing is also a thing that I've, I thought would be a great idea. So, idea would be obviously like a team competition for the men Chile would have won depending on how you split up the american team into two if you put them into two-man teams Chile would have won the men's team how freaking cool is that
1: that's amazing <laughs> that would be really cool
0: like i mean like that that's the whole point of having the team competition and what you just illustrated with you know a small country like if Chile. Like that's a huge deal in Chile. I can't imagine I don't have how many medals they won in, in in front of me, but I can't imagine they won many. You know, and and it's the same thing we saw with why Aditi was such a big deal was that, you know, it's a country that doesn't win a lot of medals in the Summer Olympics and this, you know, golf, her chasing a medal in golf was like became national news. The uh the other idea I had, you know, I think there shouldn't be an event the week after on either men's or women's golf. Like there should not be a WGC the week after. There shouldn't be a very important event. Whether it's important for us as media, I don't find WGCs at all important, but it's important for the pro golfers because of the free money and the world ranking points that that go along with it that they need to play in that. So that should never be after Olympics that's that's just doing the Olympic that's where I feel like the tour hasn't really embraced the Olympics is you don't schedule a WGC after the Olympics Um, and I think you know part of this is like they don't own the Olympics they, they don't get you know they don't have a big financial benefit of the Olympics happening so they don't you know they don't want to push it right Um, but then I was thinking the other thing you could do like we, I've seen a lot of like calls for amateurs what if the mixed event was an amateur event the week after the men and the women play the same week?
1: That'd be awesome, too.
0: And you get like the, you know, it becomes, you know, builds these people, these young golfers as, you know, on a large platform. And you you maybe have someone like, you know, Pearson Cootie or whatever playing with Rose Zhang for the U.S. Like and, and then all of a sudden. I guess I hate the term "grow the game," but I just think that's these are the things like the Olympics of all the grow the game initiatives of all the tournaments that the golf hosts and everybody like oh growing the game, the one event that truly does have an impact and ability to grow the game is the Olympics.
1: It's true. I will say I was I was a big like roll my eyes at the grow the game stuff, but I'll I I read somewhere that. When golf is designated as an Olympic sport, in order to send an Olympic team to like to be a part of the Olympic Federation, whatever, you have to invest a certain amount of money in each of the Olympic sports. And so there is actual like investment that has to be made as long as golf stays an Olympic sport, like even the little countries. Slovakia. Yeah. So they have to <laughs> pour a bunch of money into their junior golf programs or whatever to sort of say to the Olympic committee, uh, you know, this is look, we're doing this for golf. So, you know, knowing the IOC and its history of corruption and probably take their, their sort of piece off the top first. But uh, there is, you know, precedent for, you know, these countries is saying, all right, well, if, if golf stays this way, we have to do it. You know, there's. Each the each year the Olympics comes around, it seems like there's another like quirky sport added to it, like another like three weird, on
0: three basketball.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like three on <and> three basketball. <laughs> but how far far are we really from like having a track man Olympics, from having like a long drive uh, thing? A Bryson you know? Olympics? Oh, absolutely! Like the like 200 mile an hour ball speed uh, is, is a way to sort of win a gold medal, and you know Bryson would just get dusted by those long drive guys. So like that would it would like send Bryson further and further down the uh, the rabbit hole of trying to find extra speed and and flat drivers with the uh, you know z- zero degrees of loft like uh, you could totally see like a track man that would how is that any different than like the hammer throw or like there's break dancing in the Olympics next year or next next time this day uh, in France so
0: that's unbelievable yeah. Break dancing. that I mean they could do I've always wondered why we have we don't have any like skills competitions like one of my favorite memories of, of the Pro Bowl is when Mitch couldn't throw it over the over oh, the 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 like plywood t- the plywood defender to the receiver to the best one of the best receivers in the league. That was you know the the skills competition part could be fascinating. You know Victor Hovland loves to talk about dog out himself about how bad he's at chipping. Like let's let's get him under the Olympic lights, going for a medal chipping like that. It I think you could do something similar. I don't know how many medals golf is 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 really merited to hang a hand out. Yeah, this is <laughs> going to be a lot of medals. All of but
1: you know, we, we could. Why not? What's, they're swimming. How many medals is there in swimming? Like, there's there's like thirty medals for seven different disciplines. Like, you know, every time the Olympics comes around, you see all these people bitching about how Michael Phelps isn't truly the best Olympian of all time. Because what is the difference really between like the butterfly and the freestyle and the you know the backstroke and all? Like, they're not that. It's just swimming in a different way going forward. So why can't golf just say like, oh yeah, like this is just this trackman championships has, you know, very little to do with the actual stroke play, but it's still a a clear golf skill.
0: What if like he did like something like, uh, like wedges and, and Ireland's like, no Rory, we're sitting you out for this one. We're bringing, we're bringing in like some 65 year old man. (laughs) Christy
1: O'Connor or whatever, that guy who (laughs) won the Ryder Cup for him. Like what a what a controversial decision as the Irish team are skidding Rory this. We'll see how he reacts afterwards, but right now it's
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean it just would bring so much uh it would almost bring like a a great level of inanity that would be so so entertaining uh to the olympics (laughs) i'm all for it (laughs) and then it would give it would also spice up our regular weekly telecasts and be like well you know uh patrick cantlay won the uh won the uh all-around driving gold medal he's a gold medalist (laughs) (laughs)
1: well like you never—it's funny how they never talk about how Rory's such an average wedge player on the broadcast. Maybe that would finally force uh, <laughs> CBS's hand or NBC's hand to kind of discuss the reality <laughs> that we like that—that that truth about Rory only exists in like the podcast world. <laughs>
0: like, he got benched. He got benched famously for a sixty-five-year-old man who had played competitive golf in twenty years. He
1: just had Olympic pressure, Andy. He just couldn't <laughs> handle the pressure. <laughs>
0: Maybe Gary Player would get in some competition oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, a
1: bunker play is for an Olympic medal? Like are you telling me that Gary Player couldn't isn't the, like the fourth best bunker player in South Africa still?
0: The um back to a serious note. The other thing with the Olympics is talk about with golf is like the 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 circumstance dealt with Zika between Zika and um COVID. Like no no swimmer like hot, elite swimmers skipping because the olympics is like everything right mm-hmm. but for golf with it being at this point not fully established in not a must go you know between the two things like the the dampened uh, i saw dj cited the dampened you know olympics experience mm-hmm. i think he said that it wasn't really a real olympics <laughs> <laughs> so, um, those two things obviously had, had a huge impact on, I think, players showing up, or they were convenience excuses for people that didn't want to make the travel.
1: Yeah. Well, what would be the excuse for Paris? I mean, will Bubba Watson say he can't go because he vowed to never go back to France because the food was weird? And, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I, It'd that's... be
0: something if Bubba Watson was qualified at that point. Four 40 years. years. What, Three years be, from
1: Something Three. in his mid 40s, right? If uh, he was still, he's like. 41 now or something i don't know that'd be that'd be super exciting to see Bryson
0: could have a crazy excuse at that point
1: <laughs> not allowed outside the country because of extradition <laughs> rules or something um yeah i don't know like i i'm already imagining though what your your uh your amateur uh slash pros take like the we could have the pros play at Legolf like, national and the amateurs could play at Montefort or whatever that
0: more fontaine
1: more fontaine yeah, yeah that's just what a great uh it's, yeah, it's,
0: it's okay it's uh I, if you had me uh pronouncing uh, uh you know nfl uh lineman's <laughs> names i've you know yeah I, I
1: how great is that course uh and yet like i probably couldn't stand up to the pro game so you could totally like showcase it but with the amateur game that would be sweet
0: well the other thing i think that they're missing out on which you touched on in your piece is like why don't we have a qualifying tournament mm-hmm. why is it just like straight like how fun would a qualifying tournament be
1: yeah. The Olympic, the U S Olympic trials. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. I think one, when we're talking about the difference between like money and history, it would be fun if the masters like threw in, all right, you know, that you get to, you get to come to the masters. If you finish, you know, in the top, if you, if you win a medal, like no matter where you are, cause that would, that isn't you like a, money. yeah, that isn't like a, thing. right. Like, why not? Like that would be a great incentive for, you know, imagine other than like, if you grow up in Chile or you grow up in, you know, Bali or wherever, one of your dreams, if you're a golfer might be to someday play in the masters and like the Olympics would be a, a way into that, you know, without having to finish what in the top 50 or win your Latin amateur or Asian Pacific amateur, like getting an Olympic medal would be a great way to get to play in the masters. That would be just as huge to like the, the golfing population of, of some of these smaller countries as other things. So like, why not? The Masters can just add three more people to their field. It's not like they're really, you know, stuck on a certain specific number. And they could just do that for the sort of history of the game for fun.
0: It'd be great. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could. All the majors could do it. This would this would fall under the bucket of golf actually embracing the Olympics as, as a, a real thing. That would be, you know, it's good. It's good for any time that like casual viewers, like a large, like golf was on the NBC telecast. Mm-hmm. at points it's like mm-hmm. you're picking up people that normally do not watch golf whether like anytime you can get get in front of golf so like all of golf should embrace it this is a all boats rise situation this is not a this or them the only the tour might look at it and say they're gonna they're gonna take our fifth major away from the players <laughs> but outside of that you know
1: it does get into the like the scarcity argument right is what we a lot of what we talk all the time about um, why golf kind of has a monotonous feel, right? Because you never get the chance to miss it. Like, you never get a chance to sort of have a a week where you have a breath and, like, think, like, okay, like, I don't have to think about golf this weekend or whatever. And, yeah, like, it's, you know, it's I guess it's important for playing opportunities and the tour is never going to sort of take away tournaments. But, I mean, you know, it might benefit in the long run if, like, some tournament some cities only got a tournament every other year you know and then yeah. the whole the whole populace of that city is like oh my god like we didn't get the you know the quad cities or the 3m or whatever this year or the john deere like but it's next year we're gonna be so excited like it's the rider cup argument like i some people say oh there there should be a rider cup every year i actually don't think so i actually think one of the things that makes it really makes you really into it is the wait is so long that you get more and more buildup and excitement and so like i kind of love it when there's two weeks between the um the afc championship game and super bowl because it's like okay like you're itching like after that first week of like we don't have football for the first time or whatever like i'm now i'm super jacked like the players are exhausted by it because of the media obligations and stuff but i think it would be kind of fun if there was just a little break here and there, I mean, there I mean, is-
0: football is like the perfect example. The perfect, like, I, I, am a football fan, and right now i have get, I've got the football itch. I've started to listen to my football pods. I'm getting back into it. I'm, I'm like, and and it's like, oh, thank God, it's back. And and you know, every Sunday, it's, I love Sundays. I, you know, it's, I've flipped between golf and football, and it's like the the football. I mean they haven't figured out where i mean they added a game so they're getting less scarce which is you know eventually we probably will get to the point where we have 52 weeks a year of football if they if the owners had their their way but you know the 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 one game a week it's a smaller commitment it's easier to be super invested when the commitment's smaller you know of of your time like you think about golf i get it's on for, it's like 12 hour a day, four days a week. It's like, it's really hard to be committed to that. It's hard for me as somebody who covers the sport to watch like as much of it as I I think I should.
1: I wonder what percentage of people watch all the golf that there is available to watch. You know, it's probably point, you know, 5% of the golf watching audience. Whereas like the percentage of people who watch every football game that's available to them you know within reason like we're not watching four games at once is much higher, I'm sure, and that's because it requires a smaller investment like okay, I'll watch Sunday night it's one Sunday day football, really Sunday football Monday night football, Monday night football, Thursday football and Sunday football that's a lot that's most football fans probably don't watch all of those things, but that's still less of a commitment than it would take
0: to watch all the golf and one week, one week of golf. Versus yeah. like seven, you know, 52, 50 weeks a year. That's golf is Thursday through Sunday from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. Let's just say mm-hmm. <laughs> football 17 weeks or maybe 20 weeks a year is noon. My time to 10 p.m. 1030 <laughs> one day a week. And then you got night games two other days. It's like <laughs> it's kind of wild. I can't, I mean,
1: you know, sometimes when people root for the PGL to sort of come into existence, like, I just try to imagine the, like, the chaos that it would be as a golf fan, like, trying to follow, all right, well, we got two tournaments on today, and one's that, you know, this team could be relegated if they don't win, and then we're going to come back to watch the 3M, where the, you know, the leader, there's nobody in the top 30 in the world who's in this tournament, and, like, what does it mean, like,
0: where Brendan Todd's ba- battling Jim Herman down the stretch.
1: <laughs> God, they're riveting. Maybe that's what Maybe that's what golf was like in, like, 1988 before Faldo came along and started winning majors <laughs> to, to bring us back to the beginning.
0: <laughs> All right, KVV, it's always a pleasure. Um, give us one one football take that you've been uh, ruminating on with the season right around, and then we'll let you out of here.
1: My football take is that the Packers will once again collapse in the more important, <laughs> uh, more important? Play to your
0: audience here.
1: Yeah, most important game of the year. Like there's, look, Aaron Rodgers is a great player. Have loved watching him. Think he's the the most enjoyable thrower of the football that I've ever seen in covering the game for 20 years. But there is something to be said for why like he's only uh, his record in NFC championship games is is not great and it's not just like oh he doesn't have the right pieces around him or oh, he's always got some bad breaks like guys like Tom Brady like put their teams in position to win like over and over and over again by doing the simple right things and Aaron Rodgers doesn't do those things he does all the miraculous things but he is not great about like in a, what seems like a meaningless thing, picking up a third and six on a, you know, and I think that that puts his team in a position to where they can choke it away more often than like what Brady, Brady's greatest talent all the time for his entire career has just been like, you need four yards. I'll get you five. And Aaron Rodgers is like, you need four yards. I'm going to try for 38.
0: (laughs) You know, the, uh, the other thing he did was that he uh, he said that his teammates stunk all off season.
1: It's got to, yeah,
0: <laughs> could cause some you know wh- whether or not you know apparent at first glance when the going gets tough some some scars that you know
1: when Justin Fields uh, starts leading the Bears to um, you know a string of unexpected victories and they upset the Packers on like a Thursday night and there's a mutiny in the Packers locker room where guys are screaming at Aaron you didn't want to be here anyway then. That'll be like your Nirvana. <laughs> be- I, uh, I
0: I'm not getting any hopes up about Justin Fields. I've been down this road too many times. I know. I still re- I still have haunting nightmares of Cade Mcnown and his, uh throwing balls into the dirt. <laughs> I don't pub- I don't like
1: make this that public because I kind of cover the game. But like I grew up a Bears fan, and so you and I will trade texts about the history of terrible Bears quarterbacks and sort of you know. Uh, the, work two, together in our misery to get through the season but
0: i went to two games that were more illuminating than any any two games that i think were could possibly like i watched peyton manning play craig krenzel <laughs> <laughs> craig and then i can't remember who it was i watched tom brady And like a blizzard, light up the Bears. Um, I can't remember who the quarterback was. I don't think it was Grossman. I was in a little bit of a haze due to my own doing the night before. Um, And it was, you know, it was like something like both games were like, I think the team scored 50 points. Uh, You know, the Patriots and the Colts both scored like 50 and the Bears scored about seven. (laughs) And it was just like, we don't have one of these quarterbacks. (laughs) We never have. And we've never been close to having one of them.
1: I like waited my entire life to go to a uh, soldier field. Like I had sort of dreamed of it. And then when I finally got to do it, it was, I was like writing a Teddy Bridgewater story and it was like oh. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater versus God. I can't even remember who the Bears this, quarterback was.
0: It was a couple of years ago. It was when Bridgewater was on the saints. It was, uh, who was that? God, God. that's, terrible. I don't
1: even know. It was, I, I do know that I like texted some friends and I was like, Oh God, this is not the,
0: it wasn't Glennon. It was, uh, it might've been, uh, it wasn't Foles. No, that was Foles was last year. Who was it?
1: I'm trying to look it up. I don't know. (laughs) It was brutal. It
0: was
1: (laughs) someone Mitch's
0: back. Oh, who's, uh, it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's the chase Daniel.
1: It was Chase Daniel. This is clearly a dream matchup for me. That was I waited my whole life just for that. So,
0: oh, all right, we'll end on that high note. KVV, you can find uh, KVV on Twitter. His uh, writing at ESPN.com. Enjoy your uh, sweaty golf today, and uh, we'll talk to you sooner than later. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. We will be back next week. Garrett Morrison has a, another edition of his popular Fried Egg stories. This is going to be a good one. I don't want to give too much away. So next week in your feeds, early in the week, will be a new Fried Egg story with Garrett Morrison. This episode was edited by the aforementioned Garrett Morrison. And uh, thanks for listening. If you got a second... Write us a review. Give us a review on the App Store or or iPodcast app, wherever you listen. Ratings and reviews do help. Even if you're saying we suck, it helps us get better. If you say we're great, that's really appreciated, too. Uh, Have a nice day, and thanks for listening to the Friday Podcast.